the book of Acts is the story about the gospel's universal reach and within it there are lots of smaller stories of how the gospel message touches individual lives and changes them. One such story is the story of Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. Now I've often read this story and like many others I've thought about it in the context of mission. You see in the opening chapter of the book of Acts Jesus gives his followers instructions as to who they have to share his story with. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the apostles began their ministry of preaching and healing in Jerusalem. And it's during this time that we hear about a man called Philip. We're first introduced to him in the book of Acts when he's selected by the church to be a deacon, one of seven. His role is to help distribute food to widows, orphans and the poor in the church to make sure that no one went without. Now, not long after Philip was given this new role within the church, another of the seven deacons called Stephen was arrested and stoned to death. You see, opposition and persecution was beginning to hit the new church. And after Stephen was martyred, many fled Jerusalem and in doing so they carried their message to Judea and Samaria. Philip goes to Samaria and there he carries out a very effective ministry, so much so that Peter and John, leaders of the church in Jerusalem, go and check it out. The gospel has spread beyond the bounds of Jerusalem. Then one day an angel of the Lord tells Philip to go south towards Gaza on a desert road, a wilderness road. And it's there on the road that he comes across a man in a chariot. The man is reading aloud from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53 to be exact. The passage is about the one who will be the suffering servant. The man in the chariot is an Ethiopian. And oh, by the way, the Romans considered Ethiopia to be the ends of the earth. Remember I mentioned Jesus' instruction in Acts 1? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This Ethiopian works for the Kandake or the Candace, which is the Ethiopian word for queen or queen mother. And we're told one more thing. He's a eunuch. Now, whether Philip already knew this because of the post he held or was told this as he spoke with the man, we don't know, but it was recognised and recorded in scripture as part of who he was. He's a servant of the royal household, so trusted in fact that he's in charge of the royal treasury. This means he was a man of power. He was also a man of means. I'm not for a minute suggesting he was dipping into the royal treasury. No, it's an observation based on the fact that he's reading a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now in those days you didn't just download something to read and the printing press was centuries away. Rather, this scroll would have been painstakingly written out by hand, making it a much prized and expensive possession. The fact that he's reading it himself also tells, it, tells us that he was an educated man. So while we don't know his name, we know a little about this Ethiopian visitor to the area. But that's what he was, a foreign visitor if you like. And during this trip, we're told he's been in Jerusalem for worship. Now you might imagine him going to the temple in Jerusalem to worship, but actually Old Testament law prohibited eunuchs from being admitted to the inner sanctuary of the temple. 
but he would have been allowed to stand in an outer court in order to worship. You can find this prohibition in Deuteronomy 23.1 and I'll tell you now it's probably not a verse you've heard in Sunday school. But whether he was allowed into the inner sanctuary or not, what's important for us to know is that this man was interested in spiritual things and the things of God. Philip's encounter with this Ethiopian eunuch is an interesting story and this morning I want us to focus not just on world mission type things but on the two characters in this recorded story and how they come together. And the first thing to know is that Philip is serving where God put him at that moment. He didn't choose it but rather he responded to a prompting of the Holy Spirit. He didn't know what awaited him on that desert road. There was no great plan in Philip's mind. He was told to go and he did. And there he encounters a man who's on a spiritual search, a man with questions. The man asks Philip, how can I understand what I'm reading unless someone guides me? And about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Now, because we generally read this passage from Isaiah at Easter time, we relate it to Jesus. And you, like me, may have heard the man's question sort of like this. Is the prophet talking about himself here or is he talking about Jesus? Now, certainly Philip will use Isaiah 53 to talk about Jesus, but I've heard it suggested that perhaps this man's question is different, that he's perhaps asking, is this scripture just about the prophet who wrote it or someone else? Because I see something else here, something familiar. For a moment, think about the words he's reading. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? And think about this man, a man who, even though he holds a responsible position in a royal court, is looked down upon by some because he's different. The life he might have led has been taken from him. He reads about someone who is, is humiliated by others in their treatment of him. He reads about justice denied. And perhaps he sees himself described in those words. And starting with this scripture, Philip tells him about Jesus, the one who would understand his pain, his humiliation, his unjust treatment. We don't know exactly what Philip says. I wish we did. I wish his words were recorded for us. But whatever he said, it was good news for this Ethiopian man because in response to hearing what Philip had to say, he wants to be part of this worshipping community. He wants to belong. But I also think he wants to know that he'll be welcome. Look at what he says. Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? We can only assume that Philip must have spoken of baptism as a sign of belonging in this new fledgling church, but I don't think he's asking if Philip is qualified to baptise him. I wonder if he's checking if there are barriers, something else that would prevent him being baptised, something that would exclude him. But there was nothing, not his race or ethnicity, not his political loyalties to the Queen of Ethiopia, not the fact that he was a eunuch, because we're told both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. 
Now, when it comes right down to it, the questions that the Ethiopian man raised are still asked by many who are exploring spiritual things, the things of God. I don't understand. How can I find out more? Am I welcome? Or will I be seen as an outsider because of my race, my ethnicity, my politics, my differences? Sometimes we think that we would have nothing to offer in such a situation. Sometimes we imagine the goal will be to a far-off place, that the questions will be too hard and that the goal is for someone more qualified. But the reality is, most of the time, our goal is right where we find ourselves. And the deserted road is a place where someone is feeling disconnected. And the Holy Spirit prompts us because we can cope with what we encounter. Chances are you, like me, have experienced these promptings from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was a time when God brought someone to your mind and you had a strong sense that you really ought to phone or pop in to see them and when you did, they said, I'm so glad you called. I was just thinking about you. And as the conversation unfolds, you discover that they're on the deserted road in need of support or a word of encouragement. Or maybe you had the sense that you ought to pray for someone and then you find out later that they were facing a crisis in that moment and needed your prayers. I kind of think of these moments as divine connections. The Holy Spirit prompted Philip to go and he did and someone's life was transformed. Philip shared what he knew and he could only share what he knew just as each of us can. So the next time you feel that unbidden prompt to go and talk to someone or to sit with someone or to invite them to church, it may well be God saying go. Go to that person. They're on the deserted road, on the wilderness road, and we should listen. After all, we may be the reason that someone on the deserted road who's feeling disconnected is grafted onto the vine and finds a place of belonging. This week, let's be aware and open to those divine connections.